Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. He's Jihadi White. Jihadi, how is your weekend going so far, my friend? Not bad. Not bad at all, Matt. Taking it easy. Enjoying it. What's the weather like in St. Louis these days? It's actually nice. It's been raining a lot, but now (laughs) it's uh, pretty nice. Got a little cool breeze out there. Warm weather, probably in the high 80s. I take it all day. You get the same humidity we get here in D.C. too, right? Like it gets pretty pretty hot there, right? What I've noticed is when I lived there, I would call home mm-hmm. and say, what's the weather like at home? And the next two days with D.C. I have the same weather or that next day. So it just it goes straight there. Whatever we have, you'll get this weather, whatever weather I have today, you'll get it tomorrow. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. That makes sense. It's uh, it's pretty similar here today so far, too. So, um. Before we get going, we got a lot of kind of miscellaneous topics and stuff like that to go through. Just get the uh, the important stuff out of the way here, the ad reads, all that good stuff. Uh, we've been teasing some T-shirt giveaways here, too. Uh, so the first two uh, winners of the T-shirt giveaway, Casey Malone and Aaron Toggins. Togans. Um, if you guys reach out to me, send me a, t- a Twitter DM or an email to believeinwizards at gmail.com. Uh, with your info and stuff like that, we'll make sure we get you those shirts. As always, we're presented by betonline.ag and Stateside Vodka. Statesides are delicious. It's hot out, as we just talked about, so it's a refreshing drink. Uh, hard lemonades, hard iced teas, all that good stuff. And BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, all that good stuff. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games. Available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Jihadi, let's start, uh, well, let's start with a little bit of semi-wizards-related news here, since this is a wizard pod. Uh, I, I thought this was an interesting one. Jordan Poole keeps coming up on every NBA podcast, essentially, and all of his former teammates have talked about him. Steph Curry gave like a glowing uh, review of him as a player and a teammate. And Clay Thompson is the latest one to do that. He said, Jordan Poole is forever going to be cherished by the, uh, in Wizards lore, or sorry, in Warriors lore. Uh, That's like Steph Curry and I's little bro. Washington got a good one. He's a future all-star for sure. And he said that he was sad to uh, see Poole traded to the Wizards. I guess, do you buy that? Like if Clay Thompson and Steph Curry loved him so much, he wouldn't have ended up traded, number one. And two, I think they would have been a little more supportive of him after the Draymond stuff. I mean, maybe that those two just couldn't reconcile it and they rolled with Draymond over Poole. Like, I don't know. It just seems weird if you like this guy that much. There's a lot of, like, video and, and photos of, like, Clay Thompson eye-rolling Jordan Poole during games and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Something just doesn't add up here to me. Well, first off, I do believe they believe they they believe what they're saying. Sure, that's fair, right? Yeah. But also, 
think it has to be deeper than that when it comes to a team like the Warriors, who's you know uh, become have become a dynasty. Mm-hmm. You know, and it all it's all about synchronization, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think the issue with Draymond and Poole took the team out of sync. Mm-hmm. But it was all about who forgave to try to get the team back in sync. Yeah. Right. So I just feel like it's about who forgave first. I feel like the team forgave Draymond. What however it started, they forgave Poole. Right. Draymond, you know, apologized. So after a while, I was like, okay, well, we're just, it's it's become something bigger. We need this situation to be resolved. Mm-hmm. Pool, we need you to go ahead and accept the, you know, for, you may not forget, but you got to forgive so we can go right. for, Move for on it. at some point. Yeah. Right. And so you just saw that was the dynamic that kind of broke, broke the team's connection up, the synchronization up. And so I do believe that they believe what they're saying about him, mm-hmm. but I also believe they're happy that he's gone because it's yeah. a bigger, it's a bigger picture there. You don't have to name anybody specifically. I won't put you on the spot like that. But did you ever have a teammate where like, hey, I really like this guy, but I don't like being teammates with him. Like he's he's kind of sucks to be a teammate with. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's sometimes it's guys you know forever. Sometimes right. the guys you grew up playing high school ball with through the through the you know top top fifty in the country circuits and the sure. ABCD camps and the Nike camps and it's sometimes it's guys who. You talk to every day to say, hey, man, I'm trying to get you over here to the team. Mm-hmm. And then you get there and you're like, man, who? what happened, <laughs> what happened to you? Yeah. Like, I don't. And so, and, and honestly, I have a best friend. I can't play pickup with him. That's right. He cannot be on my team. Right. And so it works like that, you know. Um, but and, and so I believe that they what they're saying, they believe. I think they're being honest when they're speaking and talking about him. That how great he is, and but he might just not be great for the team they're on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I don't know. Sometimes you just need like a fresh start. I mean, I think that's what a lot of this is here too. Like we we enjoy that experience. We'll always have that. The Warriors will appreciate that, but it's probably best for everybody to move on. I guess the other piece of this too is Clay saying he thinks Jordan Poole can be a future All Star. Do you see that level of player when you watch Jordan Poole play? Yeah, we've seen big spurts of that player. We all have. Mm-hmm. Then we've seen spurts of a player who you question. Yeah. But if you go up until the incident and a little bit after the incident, you say, all right, that that's going to be a future big NBA star. Mm-hmm. He has the talent. He has the confidence. Um, I think what happened is when you saw the playoffs – and the playoffs happen, and the playoffs is a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. He wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared for what the playoffs brings. And most most youngsters, the first-year guys, aren't. You know, most guys who really haven't seen that type of situation before and don't know what to expect. If somebody can tell you all day, hey, this not, the playoffs is different. It's physical. They know everything you do. They're going to stop everything you do. They know they study every part of your game. How are you going to still be successful? So 
I think what happened was they they knew Jordan Poole was going to be a major factor. He's in the he's not only in the scouting report, he's the top few guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you see the numbers without Steph Curry, and it's like, okay, you know, if he can do that uh, with without Curry there, what can he be when he's even you know more unleashed on this Wizards team? I think he was like twenty five, four and four, or something like that. Those are all star numbers. I mean, I think if he can play a little bit of defense on top of that, uh, then you've got an even stronger uh, possibility there, I guess. Uh, the the pool thing is so interesting to me because there's a lot the Wizards could do there. Like if he plays great, he's a part of the long term future. If he plays just good enough, maybe they can rehab some value and trade him for some other stuff. If he doesn't play that well, you've got to reach the salary floor anyway. It's just like it just seems like a win win to me still. But I, I definitely think he'll be at least fringe All Star level player this year. Uh, that's what I'm banking yeah, on personally. At least I don't think I don't think he has. Oh shit. I don't think he has the the so he's a great player, right? I mean, in the day, it's not he's not going to go beyond being a a very effective player for the Wizards, being a very exciting player for for the Wizards, being mm-hmm. a top scorer. That's just who he is. Yeah, that's undeniable. So the Wizards, and now he's free. Now he's freed up. He's not under anybody's thumb at four is and, and and he's not under a a system that if you're not synchronized with the system or work with the system you don't fit absolutely mm-hmm. right so now he can make a few mistakes but he's going to be exciting you can't deny that the other uh thing i want to transition to a little bit here and i forgot to give you a heads up we were talking about this one because it, it happened since we put our outline together here but uh, Cooper flag reclassified. So he will now be a part of the 2024 class. We talked about him a little bit last episode with the Bradley Beal stuff, which Cooper flag has since said never happened. Uh, that story was totally fake. They never played one-on-one. Uh, so I don't know where Brian Scalabrini got his Intel, but, um, according to flag that that was a total made up thing, which is interesting, but yeah, um, I asked some coaches that would, what that was there as well. It was like, no, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> I figured if anybody had local insight on that one, you you could uh, you could get to the yeah, bottom of that. That was true. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but Flag's still a really exciting player here, and he will now be eligible for the 2025 draft. So the Wizards are likely not going to be very good uh, two years from now. Still, like this is it's hard to rebuild an NBA team quicker than that. So I, I think there's a real possibility. They're in play for a player like that, and I think all the mock drafts are going to move him up to the top of the 2025 board now that he's eligible for it. I guess is you've seen Cooper Flag in person. Is this a player that a team should be like already thinking about two years down the road? He's so good. Like Wimbenyama was somebody that people talked about like three years out of being bad the year he was draft eligible. Is Cooper Flag that kind of prospect to you? Cooper Cooper Flag is definitely that type of prospect. Huh. He's. He's um very athletic, so he he's he's a gazelle. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of Russell Westbrook motor in him and fight in him. Mm-hmm. Skill wise, he he doesn't have as many moves as everybody else, mm-hmm. but everything he has is very effective, mm-hmm. right? But his but he's. He's more active than most, height-wise, dominant-wise, 
can shoot, um, has a good arsenal of of moves in his bag, right? Mm-hmm. And he has a mindset. Okay, so the reason the story came out was Cooper Flag and Bradley Bill because Cooper Flag would do some stuff like that. Yeah, right. The the trash talk is a thing that right? you hear from everybody because he's that he has that type of mentality. Sure. So. Yeah. It's believable, right? I mean, like it's believable, know. right? So you can you can create a rumor like that really easily, and people are like, well, that is cool with flag, mm-hmm. but that's the type of player you will be drafting for. I, I think this is good news for the Wizards because, like I said, they're probably not going to be very good in twenty twenty five unless some things go amazingly right from them. Usually, rebuild is hard to do in that short of a turnaround. But I don't think they still want to be bad by 2026. Like Ted Leonsis has shown he doesn't have an appetite for bottoming out for long periods of time. So like maybe two years you can justify. But by year three, I expect that they want to try to be, you know, at least on the way back up by then. I saw some people say, well, this is bad for them because if it had been Cooper Flag, um, Cameron Boozer and AJ uh, DeBonsa in the same draft class, at least you've got a better shot at one of the three. Well, now you've got a shot at flag in 2025 when you probably have the best shot at him. And then still, if you are bad in 2026, you could still have a shot at either of those guys, too. So I think this is like best case scenario for a team that that needs like uh, some top tier talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, and then uh, the other thing here, just a little bit, uh, we got asked, how long do we think before? Um, Bilal Koulibaly will be starting for the Wizards. And I think the question meant like this season, like how soon into the year. I don't think it'll happen this year unless it's sort of like a fluky one-off kind of thing or if they move Denny at the deadline or something like that. And, you know, we saw Bilal slowly work his way into the rotation for his French team. The NBA is still a step up from that. So I'm sure he'll make a lot of great strides. It seems like he gets better quickly. But that's a big ask for him to be like, okay, be our starting small forward on this NBA team. As long as he's playing minutes and getting better, I don't really care if he starts or not, personally. Yeah, I don't either, you know. But me playing in the NBA and know how knows how opportunities come, mm-hmm. they will come. Yeah, sure. And so it depends on what he does with the opportunities that they um, consistently, consistently when they come. Mm-hmm. If he's consistent with the opportunity when he gets him, sure. he could end up being a starter by mid-season to toward the end of the year. I would love that. I mean, I, I hope he looked good enough to be the starter. I just don't have that expectation that I need him starting by the trade deadline or else kind of stuff. Like, No, I, I mean, yeah. I never considered that. It was a question from a fan, but now yeah, that it's brought to the table, it could be a possibility. I've seen it. It could mm-hmm. be a possibility, and it's, he's going to get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he's a unique player, right, that can fill some voids. Mm-hmm. If he ends up being able to be successful, filling a little bit more voids than the player that he's going in for, he could, he could start. When you're a young player in the NBA and, and when you're working your way up, like I guess from a development standpoint, is it just about minutes and playing time or is it, is it, I guess, different playing starters minutes, like not just even starters minutes, but starting the game out with the other starters. Is that, 
ramp it up for you like development wise to be able to do that? Or is it just as long as you play, you'll get better and develop and things like that? It's about playing. It's definitely about playing and playing time right out the gate. Mm -hmm. But when you start on the NBA team, you're internally official. Mm -hmm. You know, right, yeah. you're, you're official. You're, stamped. you're yep. not you're not just on a team. Sure. You're a starter, right? Like you're a ma you're now a major fact. You're you're that five. Mm -hmm. You know, that the that go-to five, which is completely different feeling phase, responsibility. It uh, it's a crazy boost for your ego. You gotta walk different once you're in the starting lineup. Yeah, the confidence has got to be huge that comes from that. That the, the oh, team yeah. believes in you, your teammates believe in you. You know, if your if your veteran teammates don't like playing with you, you're not probably not going to end up a starter. So that must mean that they believe in you and stuff too. Right, right, exactly. Uh, and now you're on the floor with names that you, are, you wouldn't imagine. Now you're playing mm -hmm. with guys you watched in college and watched in the NBA. You know, now you're on the floor with them, and you have to be vocal with them now you have to work together you have to be in sync when they when the huddle comes in you have to have an opinion too you know you have to listen. so it brings you kind of on that level like okay you know it's it, crazy thing is levels in it with these teams in the nba sure. right you know you if you uh, um, if you don't get a lot of minutes you know you're not gonna go to somebody's wife's um daughter's graduation party with the other teammates, you know. So, you know, it's now you kind of it's like promotions, you know. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh no, that's interesting. The the dynamics of that stuff is always the stuff that fans I think have like the least insight into. So that's always, you know, different to hear. I guess is there is there any downside to like starting too soon uh or like being thrown to the wolves too soon? Like if he if he struggles, does that shoot his confidence? Like, I guess, can you see any negative to just throwing him in the deep end too early? Nope, none at all. The fire, you need the fire. Mm -hmm. Every, every, every player has gotten to this point because of the fire, mm -hmm. right? The fire is what you problem solve. Makes sense. Right. But you just have to problem solve quickly. You have to make micro decisions quickly. You have to analyze quickly. You have to learn. You're going to play against a, a LeBron James. You're going to play against a Anthony Davis. You're going to play against a, a De'Aaron Fox. You're going to have to go home and lick your wounds. Yep. Either way, you're licking, you go lick your wounds and let learn. <laughs> yeah. So would you rather lick your wounds, wounds late or would you rather go ahead and lick your wounds early and, and figure it out? And that's just how it goes. It's, it's a lot of games. Once they put in your starting lineup, long as you show that you're effective and you've made an impact, you might get your ass kicked. Right. But you, it's all about really what it's all about is you competing against your teammates, believe it or not. The guy who's in your position, are you playing better than him? Are you fulfilling the role better than him? Can the coach trust you more than him? Mm -hmm. Can the team say, okay, he fits a little more with what in the in the in our system better than him? That's how you start. That makes sense. Right? That's how you stay as a starter. Now you're getting your ass kicked. You're probably not gonna last very long, right? Well, even if you're getting your as long as you listen, 
you could have 15 points, but if somebody have 30, you got your ass kicked. Right. But you have 15, and the team said, well, you have 15 points. Yeah, that's true. You, that's Anything's a positive at that point, too, when you're a young player on the way right. out. Right, so that just, now you get to lick your wounds and go and come back again. And just I learn. Think, that's just that's the fire. I, I hadn't thought of it that way, and I, I think that's a good way to look at it because, for me, if I were going out there, I don't think I'd feel that bad if Kevin Durant scored 40 on me. But if coming off the bench, Yuta Watanabe goes for 30, 30 on me, then I'd feel a little bit worse. So, right. you know, you can kind of justify it a little more easily if if somebody really good who cooks everybody cooks you too. Now, like you said, you're at your welcome to the NBA moment at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Um, all right. So one of the topics that's been going around with some of the other NBA podcasts at the moment is just sort of this notion of like build an ideal three on three team. And it, you've got the three on three as part of the Olympics now and all this kind of stuff. And there's the big three league going on with former players here in the summer too. So I'm just going to throw it out here as a fun topic from this current wizards roster. If you had to pick three guys to build an ideal three on three team, uh, who would you start with? So crazy. Just talking about it. I would have to go with pool first. He yeah. to be my so first too. pick. Why? Yeah. Dynamic. Get Right. Good luck guarding him in space. He, yeah. he, he create he can create for himself. Yep. Right. So mm-hmm. and that's that's why he's gonna be just fine with the Wizards. Um, need and he can run point. Yeah. Don't know if he can facilitate, but I would need that. Need someone to spread the floor. Uh, so got to be Kispert. Kisper yeah. the fresh spread spread the floor. I need some rebounding, but I just also need some more dynamic scoring. So Kuzma is kind of pretty much a a goal, but if it's not Kuzma, it would have to be Denny. Yeah, because I need to I need a quick downhill. Denny's more quicker than Kuzma to me. Mm. But uh, okay, I, I but so it, it's a toss up between Denny and Kuzma. But I'm gonna take Kuzma for my as for my third. Yeah, I think those are the four guys I would have picked between two for something like this. So if you get like a sub, I think you go with those four guys and right. you pick four. I actually think like a three on three environment suits Denny really well. Like exactly. you probably need him to shoot it a little bit, but he can guard small, he can guard big, he can rebound. Can rebound. Um, fast. He can create create fast. a little bit for people, you know. Um yeah, yeah, I think that that's the move. All right, a little tougher here. Something about defended def- defense, I gotta get Denny in there more than cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least Kuzma, he could guard some bigs. He could guard some smalls. Yeah. You you have, I don't know, well, versatility man, with those two Kuzma guys. Can't guard. I'm just going, I'm just going more versatile defender. Yeah, sure. That's right. No, I think those two are, are pretty good. You need pool to guard somebody a little bit here, but he's got decent size to stay in front of most guards. So I, I think that's, that's reasonable too. Yeah. Those are the four guys. If there was anyone else that we didn't mention, Honestly, like Koulibaly might be kind of interesting. Yeah, he would for be my, like yep. He'd be my guy too if I mention anyone else. The, that energy, the youthfulness, the activity—I feel like that's uh, you know. But I feel like he makes people down. Right, he get picked on a little bit, maybe. Some yeah, of these three-on-three like three teams. He he mess up on switches or something. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, like it, just the something about the, you know, the the language barrier. Yeah, that I don't know, you know, I have to be concerned about. 
you got to get the term NBA terminology down and all that kind of stuff too. Exactly. Uh, there are guys playing in these three on three international competitions that I've never even heard of. And they're so good. They seem unguardable in it. And it's just like that, that style of play seems to suit them. You've got to be fundamentally sound and all these teams that win it. It's like three guys that all pass dribble shoot and are like all around the same size. So they can kind of guard everybody and switch everything. It's, uh, really pretty interesting. I'm, I'm kind of glad it's a, like a honestly an Olympic sport at this point. Cause it, it's different. I don't know. I, sometimes I like and pick up when we don't, we don't have numbers. So we'll play three on three, just uh, fun to change it up sometimes. I mean, that's, that's the essence of the game, yeah. right? The, the best players in the NBA are just a three on three or, uh, or bucket players, you, got, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a one V one player, you know, yeah. that's how you become the, the person who could, you know, Hey, the play ran down. We don't have anything. Give it to him. Let him create. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, If you had to pick two former teammates of yours to make a three-on-three squad with, who would you go with? And you can't say MJ. That seems like that seems like unfair, probably. Two? Yeah. Two teammates to play with you from from your former teams. Well, right out the gate, um, just a guarantee, no question, to be Rod Stripper. I love Rod. Yeah, that's a great call. Just, I mean... we're getting everything out of that facilitating. He's he's gonna have eyes around his head. He, you know, <laughs> defend, plays hard. Then, you know, I always had to go with a guy who can spread the floor. So it had to be T Murray, Tracy That's Murray. Yep. Right. Now, if I had to think, oh, oh then you gotta be considered Richard Hamilton too. I was thinking Rip. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so between T Murray, Richard Hamilton, um, Mitch Richmond, but uh, Rip and Rip Rip and T Mary just just a little better shooters. Sure. Hmm. Now T Mary can shoot. Yeah, like downhill, down. downhill. But he got a he a sniper. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with T Mary. T Mary and Rod. I was thinking Rip just because I wouldn't want to chase him around that court, and he's Ooh, just gonna run circles yeah. on you the whole time. Rip is the uh, Rip is the oh, the this was Steph Curry before he was Steph Curry, huh? Yeah, exactly. You'd be, I'm not you'd be gassed halfway. In my opinion, I'm sticking with it just because, just because I'm sticking with it. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, my guy. But yeah, Rip would be much tougher to guard. He would be, but I'm sticking with T. Murray. I was also thinking, That's my guy. How about Jerry Stackhouse? I feel like in a three-on-three setting, he'd be another tough guy for somebody to have to guard because he could do a little bit of everything. He's also big enough to guard kind of multiple positions and stuff too. He would be. He would be. But to me, Jerry Stackhouse would like uh, JR. Um, what is uh, JR okay. Smith? Yeah. With, the, with like, Cleveland? Yeah, like a microwave scorer type. Yeah, he's streaky. Yeah. He, he can give you 20, 20 in a row. He can miss 20 in a row. You know, <laughs> but he's also tough, get downhill. Um, it depends on if you can get to the line. What what he, what, what uh, Stackhouse is going to do, he's going to draw a million fouls. That's a good point. But in three on three, I don't know if you get points for that. I think they do. I, I forget kind of exactly how the, the setup works for the, the international competition, if it's yeah. the same. No, he, he's going to draw fouls all day. That's what Stash is going to do. But uh, like you said, Rivers tough to guard. Um, T. Murray is a sniper, so, you know, 
either one of those. One of the other uh, listener questions we got, Faisal asked, if you just have any good LeRon Prophet stories, since we're talking about former teammates. Uh, it's, it's a million. It seems like Ron was kind of, or LeRon was kind of a character. So it's, it's a million. <laughs> just saying his name make you laugh. It's a million LeRon Prophet stories. You know, we had some tough guys, some super tough guys on the team. But, and LeRon, you know, a lot of guys on the team, you know, like my guy Mike Smith, I don't know if you remember him. He was from D.C., played for Providence. You know, he kind of had an edge to him. My guy loved Mike, man. And um, and and he had a short switch. Okay. And LeRon Prophet would just bother, bother him all day. Push his buttons the whole time. And yeah. Mike lose it. Mike, picture uh, just start spitting out the mouth. <laughs> he'll he'll make Le, he'll make Mike snap on purpose. You know, Mike. We knew Mike was never gonna touch him. Could just sure. Ron was too. And, and Leron's just funny, man. Leron is a is a character. But always- crazy thing about Leron is basketball IQ out of this world. Mm. Very extremely smart and just a character. That's that uh, Gary Williams teaching from a from a former Terp there. He used yeah. to always coach kids at like Bowie Sport Fit when I'd go in there to play and stuff. He'd always be working in the gym with people and stuff like that. And he seems like a good guy to learn from then if he's got yeah, the high. And Leron, very good guy. You see Leron right now, you just laugh and give him a hug and talk. And, and he's going to be the same guy. You know, never change. You know, Leron is one of a kind. The uh, the rumor was that he and MJ played one on one, and he shit talked him too much, and that's why he ended up getting shipped out of town. Uh, I don't know if there's any truth to that or not, but uh, it it does seem in character for him to maybe be willing to trash talk somebody like an MJ. Well, so, so Ron would do if Leron playing one on one, he's going to trash talk, right? Yeah. Problem with Leron is you don't know. when he's serious or not, or when he's taking something serious. Okay. So you like, he's just too, he just wants to joke all the time, but he may mm-hmm. not be joking. It just, it's, it's <laughs> you nice. don't know. And, and MJ, you know, may have, if he's on a goal, like we got to win, we got to, we got to clown like, like a court Jessica clown in here in yeah. the locker room. It's not my, maybe not the right energy for the goal. We're trying to, trying to, trying to get to. So, that could be the case. Not sure, but LeRon is going clown all day. And yeah. MJ personality may not be the same as can kind of take LeRon as just like a lot of the other teammates did. Uh, that's good. So, uh, Faisal, I hope you liked that. I thought that was a good one. Um, all right. Just switching in a couple other former Wizards a little after your time, but uh, I want to get your perspective on it. There was a rumor going around that John Wall was t- in talks to play uh, for an Italian club, Armani Milan. He since denied that. Uh, it just seems like a guy like him would have a really hard time kind of making that mental switch to go play somewhere like the Euro League. Like when you, he was like arguably the second best player in the Eastern Conference for a stretch there. That's That's probably a really tough like mental adjustment, I would think, to be you know, having to make that kind of move at this point in your career. It is, but it also depends on where your mindset is at this time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a lot of guys just fight forever to get back to being a factor in the league or being a 
a figment, you know, like a mm-hmm. fixture in a league. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's if, if he knows he can do that or he still believes he can be a fixture in this league. Or if he's saying, all right, maybe, you know, my time is done here. And now, you know, but I do want to keep playing the game. I still want to make an impact in the game. I could be a star somewhere else. Um, so it just depends on where your mindset is. No matter what, it's going to be an adjustment. Even when you get there, if he does go over, if he decides to, he's still going to go through an adjustment because he's not going to be treated the same right out the gate, you know. But um, but he is an NBA player with a lot of talent going over there. So they're going to – they know, you know, who he is. But it's it's all about where your mindset is. You know, and sometimes, you know, when things don't happen the way you want to, you can develop a little uh, love-hate relationship with basketball for for years. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure he didn't go out. Well, he, he right now he's not going out the way he wants to, yep. you know, if that's the case. So it depends on where his relationship with basketball is right now and his mindset. Yeah, it's a great call. I, I guess part of me is like, all right, it's exactly what I said before where I thought like, well, he'll probably have a tough time like making that mental adjustment. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to go. But also when you just miss that many seasons of basketball because of injuries to your point, like, you know, maybe he just loves the game enough that he's just like happy to be back out there and stuff. So I'm not really sure where his head's at when he said, no, that wasn't true. It wasn't, I couldn't get a sense for if he was like scoffing at it, like he would never do that or just that particular rumor wasn't true. So either way, I hope the best for wall. Obviously he's, still mostly beloved by Wizards fans. So I think we want to see him back on a court in some way, shape, or form. Uh, the other piece of this too, Wizards Muse asked, um, between Gilbert Arenas, John Wall, and Bradley Beal, how many of those players do you think will get their numbers retired with the Wizards or end up you know, essentially in like the air quotes Wizards Hall of Fame? I, I think Arenas should already, but with the gun stuff, I mean, the fact that they didn't bring him back until this year I'm assuming they'll get over it at some point, but that's probably a tough one to put that player's numbers up, you know, number up in your rafters if if you had that happen to end that tenure. Yeah, I saw that too. I was happy to see them bring him back. I was surprised. They didn't let him talk at yeah. halftime, which I thought yeah. was weird, but. Well, they like, seem like they slowly working yeah. it and see if it works. Yeah, exactly. You no. Know, does Gilbert deserve it? It's he, he very well deserved. I mean, he, he put enough enough time on that court and made enough impact and and was a dynamic player for the Wizards to mm-hmm. be, to be deserved for him to be a Wizards Hall of Famer guarantee. Yeah. But he's still such a controversial figure, not only from the incident that happened with the Wizards, but just he's taken his approach and his which is very smart and I love it, but his approach with media. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> he's kind of uh, but he's smart and he knows exactly what he's talking about. And you have to, you have to chime in and you have to listen, listen in. But you know, he, he might Howard Stern you. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, like he's, he's the Howard Stern of basketball media. Yeah, and so I don't know how organizations or or the NBA, you know, accepts that. Mm-hmm. So, which is. Which cool. Do your thing, you know, and yeah. I I love it. I love it, and it's refreshing, and it's 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 amazing. 
And he seems like he's having fun with it, too. I'm I'm tuned in 24-7. But I don't know if they really want, if they're interested in promoting a controversial figure like that. Yeah, that's a good point. But then again, if it was Dennis Rodman, you'd bring him back. Right. You know, so what's the difference? I I'm with you. I think another year or two, we see something like this, especially if they rebuild here and start fresh and the team's winning again, you know, maybe that's an opportunity to say, Hey, clean slate. Yeah. We do it. The wall one is also interesting. I think it's a a higher likelihood that they eventually do something for him when his career ends, but yeah, it ended poorly with he and Ted Leonsis too, like the gang sign stuff and the way he got traded and some of his comments after it seems like he's maybe not thrilled you know, with how they, they treated him on the way out the door. But I, I got to think, you know, these are guys that got drafted while Ted owned the team. He'll want a couple people from his tenure up in the rafters at some point here. Uh, so Wall, I, I think, has a better likelihood even than Gilbert. And I think Beal is a no-brainer. Like, that will 100% happen when his career Bill, ends. Beal is the ultimate professional. Yeah. So Beal is a guaranteed no-brainer. That's why I look yep. at it. So if anybody... I would say I would if I had to pick the three, I would go with Bill. It's no, he has no scars on his record. No, you know, he's just a a, a ultimate professional. So, mm-hmm. but if you had to do a toss up between Gill and Wall, I would like to see Gill before Wall. Personally, yeah, I think he. I think Gill really made him just more of an impactful player and it just love player. But uh, that's just my personal opinion. I have the same one from a nostalgia standpoint. Like if, if arenas and, and Larry, you know, and, and those guys like didn't follow on with the, the group you guys had that really kept building my interest in the team. And if we didn't have, you know, that era of team, I don't know that I'd be the level of fan I am right now. So selfishly, I'd like to see the arenas one. Like, um, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, we mentioned the Hall of Fame kind of stuff because the Hall of Fame induction is actually probably going on right about now. And uh, this year's class has four guys that uh, you presumably competed against a, a number of times here. So I just want to run down each of the names. If you have a story or an anecdote about any of them, I think that'd be cool for uh, for fans to hear, even just something quick. Um, first one, Dirk Nowitzki, 14-time All-Star, uh, 2006-2007 MVP and an NBA champion in 2011. Any thoughts on Dirk? Well, Dirk was was just so unique because he was a European player, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, and the stigma on European players at that time was, you know, they were soft, this, yep. you know. And he was so nice and, and you know, gentleman and laughing. But people don't know Dirk was a dog. <laughs> you know, he was a dog, not only that, he demanded, you know, um, yeah. he demanded his respect. And, the, you know, you saw him playing on the team. Like, when you played against him, he was talking to his teammates. <laughs> and he wasn't always speaking nice to him. Like, he was yeah. com- he was commanding that Dallas team on by himself, like, on his mm-hmm. own. Like, he, that's who he was. And I, it was surprising to see that, you know, from a European player. But also... With him, is he just changed the, you know, how Steph Curry kind of changed the game. You know, yeah. certain players changed the game. Dirk changed the game. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it, he had a 
I call this game a drunken style. It's like, a, it's like you know how I like the drunken style of Kung Fu? Yeah, kind of wobbly and stuff. Basketball, yeah. And it was completely, it was hard to guard. Yeah. Because I always consider basketball like dancing. And if, if it's a two-step, I'm looking for a two-step. Sure. You know, so I could, for the time, and basketball is all about time. And I know your dance moves, you know mine. Yeah, that's a good call. He came with completely different dance moves, so off rhythm yep. that a lot of players couldn't guard him, right? No one that one, you know, one leg fadeaway step back off balance. He was the first guy you seen do that, shooting off like either foot sometimes. Either foot, so you, yeah. Right? You thought he, you thought he was playing around. It's stuff you would do in the backyard when you were playing around, and your parents would be like, "Hey, quit playing around and shoot, yeah. shoot the ball correctly." Well, so. Um, that's just, so he was just a game changer. You know, he, he changed the dynamic, not only of basketball, but the, the way a lot of players play. And he really opened the door for the NBA to say, Hey, we want, we like this style of play. We, we like a big that can fit that spread the floor. Um, now he's hard to guard. Cause we don't, you know, no one. So, which, Kind of took. I feel like Dirk was the first person who really started the conversation of, "Hey, we can't have traditional bigs anymore." Yep. Even though he wasn't a big, but he started that conversation. Sure. Just by the yeah, size yeah. and everything he do, and say, "Let's start looking for more of those types." Mm-hmm. And you could win with that type of player too. Like it was kind of gimmicky at first. It seemed like, and then people were like, "Oh shit!" Like. They're actually pretty good with him as the best player, right? And it's hard. It was hard to defend. Who's going to defend him? Yeah, it's a it's a, a conundrum for a coach to have to yeah. play and, and try to okay, what 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 defense are we going to run? Like, mm-hmm. can't let this big go out there. Now he's too too tall for this guy. Yeah. Um, you can put on the floor. What are we running? Jihadi guard dirt. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But and that's that's how it was to the point where you're like, you know what? We got to change the whole. We got to change the dynamic of the game. And it's a really, really strong point. I, you know, like someone like you, most effective around the basket. They want you getting defensive rebounds, protecting the rim, and now he's dragging you 25 feet away from the hoop. That's dragging. It's a tough ask. Yeah, shooting a one leg. Like, what, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Uh, that's cool. Um, next one, Dwayne Wade. Obviously, everybody knows Wade's resume, but just for giggles here, thirteen-time All-Star, three-time NBA champion, two thousand six Finals MVP. Uh, any thoughts on Wade? The best Heat player I've ever seen. I loved that LeBron didn't push back when Pat Riley said that. He was like, "Yes, he is." I, yeah, I agree. The best Heat player. I mean, you got the. Dwayne Wade defies everything that's normal or should be normal, right? Yeah. Uh, like, okay, you're off balance. You're about to fall on your ass. Nothing you can do right here. And somehow he'll still jump up and dunk it. Like, mm-hmm. just, uh, he had the, he had the motor and the fight of Kobe with the demeanor of, The nicest guy you meet in the world. Two things, yeah. two two pieces in one person that shouldn't even exist in the same. Yeah. Right. The best teammate. Like, 
just a just a warrior. Just a warrior and and and, and so versatile in so many facets of the game, right? And even things that even positions that you knew he wasn't really good at, mm-hmm. he could excel still. Yep. Um to and you know they pushed him. He just playing for the heat alone. You know they pushed him. Mm-hmm. Right. So 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 he wouldn't die out, right? It's just better and better. He got better and better and better and better. So no, guaranteed, like if anyone's deserving of HOF, you know, it's Dwayne Wade. Guaranteed out of out of those guys. I think it says a lot about him as a person, as a player, as a competitor, that he was willing to embrace LeBron and Bosch coming. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, you're going to come be in my city on my team. It was like, okay, now it's our team. Uh, And that wasn't like as popular a thing to do at that point in time. Not that nobody had done it before, but he was willing to put numbers and ego aside and all that kind of stuff. And and honestly, like run second fiddle a lot of the time because he had those knee injuries. Right. Well, you knew he he had those knee injuries. He was carrying, Dwayne carried a heavy load. Yeah. Out of... Most NBA players during that time, like Dwayne and Kobe probably carried the heaviest load I've seen. Right. You know, especially when Shaq left, Kobe had to, Dwayne had to carry probably the heaviest load I've seen, right? Dwayne, Kobe, LeBron. And it was, and he was successful at doing it. Mm -hmm. And he played with the heat. So it's not not taking nights off. Yeah. So you're not getting days off. You're not getting the hour practice, right? So Dwayne probably went through it in the game and outside of the game. He, he probably took on a heavier load and more minutes on his body than any other player. Yeah, I, I totally support that. I, I think just when he was the guy, I mean, it wasn't the shack we think about with the Lakers that he got like, this was a slowing down shack. It's still good, obviously, but not like dominant shack. And, uh, you know, they still won. And it was, that was a Dwayne Wade team. Like that wasn't, you know, he wasn't second fiddle to shack. Like he was the guy, I think. So, uh, yeah, says a lot about absolutely. him. Absolutely. All right. Next one, Pau Gasol, two time NBA champion, six time all-star 2022 or sorry, 2002, uh, NBA rookie of the year. Could have been a wizard, which would have been probably pretty cool uh, for us uh, to, to put on that group with you guys. But I'm assuming this is a guy you guarded directly uh, on a number of occasions. He just strikes me as somebody that was really another one, like the pace and tempo, and he could do a lot of different things and versatility. Like he was probably a tough guard just because of that kind of stuff, I would think. Powell was very tough. Tough. So Powell would just looking at Powell without any other teammates. He was just a versatile, very good touch. Yeah. Um, a f- very effective big. Mm-hmm. What makes what puts Powell over the 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 line and makes him a Hall of Famer is how good he read Kobe. Yeah. Right. I never seen a player read that he knew him and Kobe so mentally in sync and he knew he he knew exactly everything Kobe was going to do every move Kobe was going to make every position Kobe needed him in in that particular microsecond 
mm-hmm. right? Every everything. So that would make that's what make Powell so great at that I never seen somebody play off the ball and play off Kobe so well. Yeah. He's as great as Kobe was, he was like the, the ass saver. He saved Kobe ass all the time. Kobe, because yeah. he's going, it's one, two. If I don't have it, pal, I need you to be in the right spot at the right second, in the right position, and I got mm-hmm. you. And yeah, he made Kobe's life easier. I mean, that he, that's huge. It, he made he made Kobe's life so much easier, and also he made Kobe so much more effective. Yeah. And that's why, even though he's just still a very skilled big, very great touch, can move, but it was all about what really puts him over the line is how well he could read the floor yeah. as a big. It's tough to read the floor as a big. Mm-hmm. And how real he can read Kobe as a big, right? To the be, to be a, that effective in big time games and big time positions and 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 you know the most like intense times, intense yeah. position, playoff moments, and yeah, he held on. You know, right? Just he was just a savior. I think off the court too, being able to play off of Kobe was huge. Just being able to take that kind of uh, leadership, let's say, <laughs> as the word there. You know, we heard the stories about maybe Kobe punking him a little bit early, and you know, he responded. He came back a different player. He came ready to take it. He didn't mm-hmm. demand a trade. And you saw the Kobe, you know, Dwight Howard situation a few years later not work out the same well. You know, work out quite as well where they didn't respond to each other the same way. And uh, Gasol, you know, they clearly had a special bond. You see Gasol with his kids now. Like, I, I think that's that's really cool. Right. And Kobe made Powell a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they so, definitely both got something out of it. Right. So think about if he didn't decide to, you know, if he if he didn't decide to take, you know, how Kobe was on him. Or how, right. Kobe really built Powell into a mm-hmm. Hall of Famer player, Hall of Fame player. Yeah. And rightfully so. And he so and Powell the way he took that information and took on, you know, the criticism, took on the insight, built his game around that, mm-hmm. you know, he rightfully in the place he should be. Yep. Another European player here to close out the list, Tony Parker, four-time NBA champion, six-time All-Star, 2007 NBA Finals MVP. The thing that always struck me the most with Tony, and I, I forget like the exact stat, but I want to say there was like a two-year stretch where he led the NBA in points in the paint as like a probably barely six foot guard. That's incredible to me. Um, I, I don't know. What, what was it like to be on the court with Tony Parker? Tony, uh, Tony was a, just a, uh, like a basketball wizard. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like he made, he made basketball look like art. Um, he was like a Picasso out there, you know, as far as, and he can get in the paint. To me, Tony would be, if Pop could transform himself into a point guard, yeah. he would be, the, he would be the Tony Parker. It'd be the perfect point guard for Pop. Like, like I don't feel like Tony would be Tony if it was for Pop. Mm-hmm. And I think they work so well. And I think Pop started 
to also build his t- offense around Tony's. Yeah, definitely uh, toward the end there. Yeah, toward the end of the year, he said, okay, you know, I'm going to build my offense around your natural abilities. Mm-hmm. Then with Tim, you had to respect Tim so much. And Tony was like, well, they have to respect Tim. I'm going to have a lane. Yeah. Right? Because you can't help off Tim. Mm-hmm. So that's why he was getting so many points in the paint. But that was because his basketball mind, his IQ, you know, his basketball knowledge was so vast. You know, and that's just Tony. Tony it was, if you look at him, he was probably the Larry Bird of point guards because nothing you saw was very, very yeah. uh, dynamic or sure. dunking on you and traffic and stuff. Yeah. So everything was about skill and IQ and mindset and reading and, and, the micro decisions that, you know, micro decision, the right decision at the right moment, understanding where his teammates were, understanding like him, the synchronization he has with, with Tim Duncan, uh, all those dynamics. And he knew how to just really easily. It wasn't like, it wasn't like it was rocket science for him. Right. He could easily break them down to where it takes somebody break them down process them and run and, and figure things out. And that's why, and he was just very effective at that. And he understood Tim Duncan, like the back of his hand. And it had, it was so, it almost kind of were the same person with the same type of personality to where you don't really get a lot of, you know, they both really wouldn't talk a lot, just kind of introverts somewhat. And then you had pop just, you know, with the with the controller, you know, and, and putting all the not and Pop could put the knowledge in them and say, "Hey, let me put this knowledge in you right there," and they could just execute. So I think Tony was just an amazing player out there playing, and he was an quiet assassin. We mm-hmm. had played against Tony, and we didn't know how effective he really was. And we looked at stats; she said, "Damn." Right, I had to get 25 points. Right. It same with Tim. It would do the same with Tim. I would guard Tim sometime, and I think, like, I did, <laughs> I did a really good job. I shut him down. I look at Stashy. Well, I didn't see all that. Where did that <laughs> right. come from? I would literally go back on film, and so I got my ass kicked. I mean, you, you could hold him to 20 and 15 and still do a really good job. He's just, he was that good. He was that good. It's, uh, it strikes me as like similar to the Gasol Kobe thing. Like, you need the right kind of, personality fits for that like tony and tim and manu and pop like that all just seemed to work and uh this also goes back to the point of just like a lot for a lot of people it's it's landing in the right situation with the right people at the right times and getting the right opportunities and and that just seemed like the case for tony like he ended up in the perfect place for him to do what he needed to do if, if you don't play with people that can stretch the floor and value spacing and Tim couldn't drag people, you know, 15 feet away from the hoop, it doesn't open up those lanes the same way. And they just, I don't know, they all complement each other so well. Yeah. And the, and the thing about Tony to me, if he was on any other team, mm-hmm. he'd be just a trustworthy guard. Yeah. He just, I, mean, I think I really believe he'd just be a trustworthy guard. Mm-hmm. One of those ones, you know, where you can run my stuff and you make sure the ball go in the right place. But I just feel like with Pop, he became so much more 
than just a trustworthy guard. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's because you can see that's really all that's that's really the box that he seemed like he really wanted to work in. Just let me be a just trustworthy guard, get it to this guy, mm-hmm. run this system, not not gonna put you in a bad situation. Sure. Not really gonna create something dynamic for you and take over. Mm-hmm. When pop like, no, no, I'm putting a steering wheel in your hands. Right. We are putting you inside a Lamborghini. Yep. And you're gonna have to drive this thing. And it made yeah. so many other fat like assets of his game that he already that already existed made him have to be like, nah, you're gonna use that. You're gonna utilize that tool. Mm-hmm. You know, which is such, you know, which is a commitment of how Poppy is, just just pop himself. It seemed like his role changed over time, like we said, to be that more dynamic scorer, and, and he was ready to transition into that. And nobody seemed to have issues letting him do that. The, the ego didn't get in the way. Tim didn't say, no, that's my team. Like, I'm the go-to guy. Like, that, I don't know, you need that, I think, on a team to be able to extend that run the way that they did. Well, I think they knew the bigger picture. Yeah. When you when you go, when you're playing for rings. Right. It's a different game. It's, well, no, it's a chess, not checkers everybody, kind of thing. Right? Everybody is amazing. Yeah. Right? When you're playing for rings, they realize I'm getting more as an individual doing less because I got a ring. Yep. Right? So now the goal has changed. You know, my stats are cool, but the ring would make it's going to solidify me even more. That's how you end up the Hall of Famer, right? Like that's it takes you to the next level. Uh, that's cool. Speaking of another guy in that sort of class of player, I was listening to, uh, Tracy McGrady do an interview on the Ryan Rosillo podcast in the last week. And he talked about basically tanking his pre-draft interview with the Celtics because number one, he didn't like Rick Patino when (laughs) Patino recruited him to Kentucky. And two, he said their pre-draft workout was so hard that he was like, I don't know if I want to go to a place like this. Uh, if they're going to work guys like this out pre-draft, what's it going to be like playing with them all the time? And the thing that came to mind for me from a Wizards perspective is just the Wizards supposedly always had this legendary conditioning test. They put all the um, draft prospects through over the last like 15 years or so. And I wonder if any players ever went through that workout and were like, F it, I'm, I don't want to end up in a place that's going to, work us out like this so it was like a badge of honor for that front office and i i just wonder if maybe that could have um you know backfired on them at the same point like if t-max saying stuff like that i'm sure he's not the only one that was like i, I don't want any part of this shit well t-max he was a high you know a high draft pick right so he sure. knew he knew the the teams that were, <laughs> were gonna give him he knew what workouts he was facing with Patino, he was still on that college crazy, college craziness. He yeah. wasn't on NBA stuff. So, um, you just know you're gonna go through it if you go to the Celtics. He's he gonna try to some of some of those pre uh, draft workouts were how long can you last? Mm-hmm. It wasn't even That's about true. the skills. Yeah, right. Because everybody knew T Max skills. Like the goal is to make you die. Let me see if you don't. Yeah, and that's what his Patino's pre-workout, you know, draft camp was like. You know, I'm mm-hmm. no, like, 
I get it too. Cause I have to keep doing this over and over and over again. Yeah. On back to back days and right. stuff like that. But yeah. So I get that. Like a lot of guys wouldn't want that. Yep. Right. That's it's supposedly about, what the wizards were doing be, though. Well, I'm trying to get drafted. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be. Yeah. I so I got, I'm, I have these other teams I need to go to and perform well. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't have time for you to try to kill me. Exactly. Because that's not my goal right now. My goal is to get drafted. Your goal is yep. to find out if I can live through, <laughs> live through, yep. you know, running through the Sahara. Mm-hmm. So, um, but thing about those type of teams as well is coming out being like a, your first two, one or two years, three years, you would love to be on a Celtics or – Sure. San Antonio or, or Miami that's just going to kick your ass every day. It's better for you in the long run, even if it's you don't It's better know for you in the long run until yeah. you play in six years in the league and then have to be drafted to one of those teams. <laughs> right. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a culture shock. And it's a, yeah. you know, you now you're kind of become yourself. And now you like these teams, not only that, I can't really fight against it. Mm-hmm. And so, but those, if you notice, all the guys who came through those teams first just have a work ethic out of this world, and they get through the league better. So even though he dodged it and tried not, which I understand, and, and either way, Tracy McGrady is going to be Tracy McGrady. Yeah. Uh, you know, it that's wouldn't not, have mattered. Not, yeah. It wasn't going to change his story. Right. But um, for other guys, you want to be able to go to those teams first. There are a couple anecdotes I've heard sort of behind the scenes with some Wizards draft prospect, the eval kind of stuff over the years where like they killed certain guys in the workout and then ultimately steered away from a guy because, you know, he did puke after the workout or something like that. And it's, I don't know, that just strikes me as like, yeah, it's nice that you want to see if a guy you know, what he can take. But also to me, if a guy was super effective in college and like, isn't in the greatest shape, I think if I put him in great shape, imagine then how much better he could be. I would look at it almost the other way to, to some extent. Like yeah. he's always a guy's not coming in like out of shape. I mean, that that's a different story, but. But see, it depends on the person that, that told the story, right? Yeah. Well, right. You know, you go into these, these pre-draft workouts and these, you know, um, team workouts, which is just you most likely, mm-hmm. and they can put you through everything, you you know you got to go there in shape. Yeah. Now, <laughs> me as a coach, if I see a guy coming here knowing what's, what's the stakes, how to, how high the stakes are, and, and, and how great his opportunity can be, you know, mm-hmm. just your chances are, and he's out of shape, I may just keep running his ass. Just because, right? Just because, like, oh, you really going to come here out of shape? Knowing you really don't want this. It's the NBA. You know how many people want to be here and, like, the percentage of guys who get to be in your position even be in this workout? I'm going to kill you. <laughs> right? That'll, that'll teach you in your next workout. That's, and and I guarantee the just what I said, it's a, mid, a lot of coaches that say, oh, you coming here like that? Let me just – I'm going to run you through you th- till you throw up. Sure, especially probably purpose. the old school guys too. Yeah, hey, it's on purpose because it's it's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you definitely don't want most likes, some 
maybe some of those guys told that story with the Wizards. They were disrespecting the process. Could be. You know, yeah. because yeah. I've been through, obviously I've been through it. It wasn't that bad. I've, I went through way worse than the, what the Wizards put me through. Really? What was the kind of stuff they had you doing? Like, did you do one-on-one, three-on-three? Do you remember, I guess, like the... It depends the on if you were like there that. with another guy or you were there by yourself. Mm-hmm. You would rather be there with another guy. Right. But also, that guy better not be just as, as a shape or in more shape than you because then yeah. that killed your, your opportunity. <laughs> sure. But, I mean, you go in a full hour mm-hmm. nonstop, maybe, you know one break for us to drink, but you're going through everything that they want a big to go through. Let me see your touch. Let me see your hook shot. Let me see your up and under. Let me hit you with the pad. Let me see how strong you are. Let me see how fast you can get down the court. Let's do a whole lot of throwing the ball here, lay it up and run back. You know, let me see how quick, you know, how quick you can get up and down, how effective you are. Let me see how high you can jump. Um, Let me see uh, your defensive principles. You know, all the thing they put you through everything, right? And the thing is, you got to be effective and make those shots because, in the end of the day, it's all about what's also what's falling through that basket. Yeah. yeah so I remember that. And how hard you working because understand you're not the first person they put through there. They they put guys like Alonzo Mourning through there who's willing to run through every wall in life. Exactly. Right? They're so comparing they, you to that the whole time. So now you think you did good. They were like, ah, he didn't do so good on his individuals. Right. We've seen I better. Don't know why? Not because they're comparing you. They got somebody yeah. to compare you to. Yep. Yeah. You got to stand out against some of the best they've ever yeah, seen. You got to stand out against some were. of the best. Yeah. So that, that's you already dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And you coming out of shape. Yeah. You're starting really behind the eight ball there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last thing, just real quick. We'll get us out of here. Um, Team USA going on right now. They played their first exhibition against Puerto Rico. They won 117-74 to 74 after kind of a slow start. They really ratcheted it up in the second half. Uh, they played tomorrow, or I think later today, actually, against Luka Doncic in Slovenia. The roster is Paulo Bancaro, Mikael Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis, and Austin Reeves. I actually really like this roster. A lot of people have been talking about like, oh, the lack of star power or whatever. There's enough like really good guys, but they all kind of fit together, I think. And it strikes me as more what the European teams are doing of like fit over biggest name. It seemed like they were very strategic when they came up with these with these guys. Yeah, I think they, so. They wanted guys that can that can really fit and play together. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, very, these guys are, are versatile. Sure. All these guys are pretty versatile. They can play a lot of different roles, right? You yep. can mix and match with a lot of these guys, right? Which mm-hmm. is now what those European teams are. Right. Exactly. Um, I was, I was surprised, but I also was delighted that they didn't pick a lot of the major stars and try to get them to work together. But also, they've been through that, so they know. Mm-hmm. They, I like how young the roster is. Yeah, so be good for I, the next Olympics. So keep this. I like together. how young the roster is. I like how flexible the roster is. Mm-hmm. Right. It's you now. It seems like you can pick guys that you can grow with. Yeah. But also, you pick guys you can win with right now. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, I, I like it. You know. 
you know, you 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 surprised to see a lot of guys not there. But then when you see the roster, you're like, hmm. And then you see like people like Bobby Porter, you're like, oh, they did like they they really very, very strategic, strategic, strategic with it, you know. Yeah. So, so um uh whoever picked the team, I really I really like the the route they're going in, you know, the mindset they're taking with, you know, all right, this is how we want to play. And now I feel like you said, like you said, they'd be very much more effective with no matter who comes to who they're competing against. Mm-hmm. The European teams are very in sync and yep. flexible and spread you like crazy and read each other well and back cuts and they really have your head on the swivel if you're playing some old school shit, you know? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so so the guy, so I like the fact that the players we have this year, you can give yourself a lot of room to adjust. Mm-hmm. A lot of room to adjust. Okay, that's not working. Bye bye. And we can switch out. We're not losing the piece. You know, hey, you, you, four and four, four and three switch right now. You're not losing anything. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I think this is probably the best picked Olympic team in a while. I wholeheartedly agree. I think Grant Hill picked this team from what I understand. And Grant, obviously a smart dude and knows a little thing, you know, a little something about um good team basketball. And I feel like he's another guy that his style of play fit European or international basketball. Yeah. So I'm sure he gets what works. Yeah. Uh, like Josh Hart, um, Bobby Portis, Walker Kessler, Austin Reeves. So those were the names I saw people probably question the most, but, you know, it's it's easy to say Bobby Portis. You may not play the whole game, but there's a stretch in the fourth quarter where we just need a four to get a bit, you know, a bucket or something like that. Like he's used to that role coming in mm-hmm. cold. Walker Kessler, come in and just stand there and be big and put your hands up. And we want nothing else from you other than block the rim. Like right. he's going to be okay with that. Is I don't know. Um, I well, pick, the team pick is another that, starting the team center. It's less ego. It's not an ego. Yeah. It's not an ego field team. Right, they're not slighted if they're not starting ahead of some right. other guy. It's not an ego field team, which which now makes a coach actually be able to coach this coach a exactly. team. Yep. I don't care if you um, coach K or not. Right, it's dealing with those superstars is tough. You got a lot of a lot of I mean mental babysitting you have to do and and convincing. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't take that. This takes that factor completely out. Yeah, that's a great call. And and they all seem like guys that would understand sort of the ball movement, heavy style that Steve Kerr wants them to play with, I think, too, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right, partner. I think that's all I got for you here. Any uh, parting thoughts or anything? Oh, no, nah, man. No, nah, man. I'm good. All right, everybody. That's uh, Believe in Wizards. You know the drill. If you're watching this on YouTube, click that little subscribe button. There's also a little bell that gives you notifications. So every time we do one of these, you'll know what's going on. And uh well, uh, I'm going to be better here about checking the chat as we go throughout. I saw there was a comment from Alexander Wilson during uh, saying, Jihadi, that you should have, uh, if we had done the three-on-three and we were including your college former teammates, AI would definitely be on there. I think that's a good call. Um, that's so, a good uh, Yeah, definitely. So uh, in the future, if people are watching these live and they want to give us comments and stuff like that, we'll try to address them in real time here on the show. But like I said, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh We're presented by betonline.ag, and we'll catch you all next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.